wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you were one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. Maybe you're in your car. Maybe you're exercising in some other way. Maybe you're walking the dog or mowing the lawn or doing chores, whatever the case. We're going to help you out as best we know how by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness. Because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsors this week. Quip, Third Love, Ritual, and Brooklyn. And they're all bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games. And there are many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis. The guy... Who I'm ditching to go to Hawaii, Mr. Christian Spicer. Aloha, Christian. Aloha also means hello. So welcome back. I'm so glad you're here and we were recording this at our regular time, not late uh, at an irregular time. How was your trip? <laughs> if you're listening to this, dear listener, it is uh, it is likely that I am still in Hawaii as we speak. We're recording a little early to make room for that. Christian's also going to be traveling. We got a long holiday weekend here in the United States. Uh, so I'm, I'm go- the first time my family and I have, or my wife and I have done a, uh, a uh, vacation in five years since our, my son was conceived. So we're like doing a real vacation, going with the family, bringing the kids. So I'm in Hawaii right now. Uh, well, as you're listening to this, I'm, I'm hoping I'm enjoying myself and not regretting bringing the children but that means that we are recording early and so if there's any crazy big video game news that broke on friday saturday or sunday i apologize we're not talking about it nothing's going to change jeff Keeley's going to go to e3 everything's the same <laughs> nothing well, some there's stuff no way broke. some <laughs> stuff broke before we uh before we recorded um but the good news is you know uh always in these situations we turn to a special friend you know that dlc always stands for downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But as always, when he's on this week, DLC stands for dependable last minute co-host because our go-to guy, our ace in the hole, you know him from gamerant.com and this podcast many, many times, our buddy, Mr. Anthony Taormina is back with us. Hello, Anthony. Hello, I'm here. It's not Sunday night. So that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yes, it's uh, it's very late. On but that's Thursday. not true, Anthony. Sometimes you're here uh, to talk okay, about the game. It's games. not the special podcast, the special few podcasts of the year, and it's not Sunday night. I'm, and there's not a game that we've ignored for an entire year. So that, I guess before also, the calendar yeah. year comes to a close, we should have <laughs> Anthony talk about it. <laughs> very you true. Know Those are all true. We love you, and we're grateful that you're here. Uh, we got lots yeah, to mean, talk about. There is there is a bunch of news still, even though we are you know a, yes. a, a abbreviated uh, week. I am somewhat appropriate based on the you know there is a special hands on session that Christian and I participated in, so it makes sense for me to be up. Yeah, yeah, we got lots to discuss. So let's get right to it and start the show the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. 
Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's where cool folks hang out, talk about the show, talk about video games, talk about whatever it is that's on their mind. Encourage you to give it a shot. It's fivebyfivedlc.reddit.com. Uh, Anthony, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, for me, it's it's something else. But something happened like literally a few hours before we started recording or a story posted um, that I feel like is 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 going to be the story of the week or potentially the story of the week by, by the time people listen to it. And it's um, a report from Bloomberg that basically says that Sony is uh, – in trouble as far as getting parts for the PlayStation five. And that's causing them issues with the price. Um, they've mm. abandoned features. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. I could share it in the chat. If you haven't seen it. Oh, um, no, I have not seen it. We, we, uh, I started did see it, but like coming in hot. Yeah. It, it, it literally, came in hot as of so recording. This, I can, I can kind of sort of sum it up for you. Basically what they're saying is, um, the smartphones going going after 5G are looking for um, specific parts that Sony is also interested in, uh, specifically DRAM and NAND flash memory uh, right. that are in super high demand. And what that is essentially doing for Sony's PlayStation 5 pricing or manufacturing is driving up the cost. And, and people are saying that, or, or this report is saying that, it's most likely or or they believe that it's a $450 unit cost for Sony to make it, which if you're estimating out the price of the console would put it at at least $470. Um, wow. Which is a lot. Yes. Um, you know, the, re- the report mentions that like the PS4 Pro is, is $400 on its own and it's often discounted. Um, but yeah, the, the report also mentions that Sony was working on a mirrorless camera and they had to abandon that because of all the costs. That also talks about how um, because of these price concerns, Sony isn't willing to come out first and say what their price is of the PlayStation 5. They're waiting to see what Xbox says because they're afraid that if they come forward and say this is how much it is and Xbox undercuts them by a significant amount, kind of like they undercut Xbox um, with the Xbox One and the PS4 that it would put them off on the wrong foot. It's, it's really interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. A lot of it is hard to verify. Coronavirus is having negative effects. And supposedly they were going to do an update to PlayStation VR that was scheduled tentatively yeah. for after PS5 goes on sale, but that's going off track. Woof. These are all not good news. Yeah. It, it, it basically is saying that our expectations of like, Oh, this thing is probably going to be $500 and everybody's saying, no, that's a lot. It probably is going to be $500. I mean, even at $500, that is not a big margin. Um, No, no. But the, the report does mention that like the, the margin, they account for selling at cost or close to cost or even in the negative. um, And they hope to recoup that cost through software and, and subscription services. So it's not unheard of for it to be like, Loss leader. Yeah, like that. But still, that's, I mean, it's essentially saying that, like, any concerns about why is Sony not coming out and doing the same thing they did with PS4? It, it seems like the reason is, is they are, we're, we're basically waiting till E3 to basically hear from Microsoft. And then wow. Sony's going to be like, here's what ours cost. Yeah. So it says uh, 2013 retail price of PlayStation 4, 399 
Estimated cost of manufacture at that time, 381. I had no idea the margin was that tiny on those things. That's crazy. So it's saying, uh, as you said, a $450 unit cost for PlayStation 5. If you're thinking a similar margin, $470 minimum sell price to get that 20 bucks per unit that they would earn. That's just bonkers to me that they're going to, that they're willing to sell. But you, as you indicated, it has long been the case that the real benefit to having your own hardware is you sell licensing fees for every piece of software that is on it. Uh, it really isn't the box that makes the money. It's the yeah. software that you sell on it. And now in, in the last, what, two generations, it's services, as you said. Yeah. One, one of the things that they mentioned was that um, to kind of offset this approach is that they're going to – a lot of the PlayStation 5 launch quote unquote window games are going to be available on ps4 so like they're just going to sell those games and any margins on those are going to hopefully pad up what the what the loss will be one of the interesting things though that um is in the report is that sony is kind of spending extra money for um cooling like typically they would spend uh according to the report they say you know typically they would spend less than a dollar per unit, but they're spending a few dollars per unit on cooling because they want to make sure that these, these big time chips get the proper heat dissipation, Yeah, right. which is, which I think speaks to the power of this console and, and presumably, presumably Xbox series X, which has the, you know, the top fan that they are, they're expecting these things to run really hot. Well, nobody wants the, the red ring of deck. No, definitely not again. You know, that was such a PR nightmare um, back in the day. Um, Here's another interesting quote from this article. Uh, Sony's chief executive officer, Kenichiro Yoshida has said that the business should be judged by the number of active users, not the number of hardware units sold. I think that's what we're talking about, how this is really a paradigm shift. This generation where all these companies are about cross gen are about, services are about recurring monthly fees and getting these uh, big AAA games in, onto as many eyeballs and wallets as possible. Uh, and they don't really care about bolstering the numbers of an individual generational shift. They just care about keeping you in the family and keeping you uh, getting the software. So yeah. maybe Sony is closer to Microsoft's This is exactly what we were talking about last week, right, Christian? Uh, This idea that Microsoft really is being explicit about not playing the game of the generations anymore. And maybe uh, these external forces are really causing Sony to have to do the same thing. And, um, and, And, you know, this is going to be a very different kind of new generation, next gen upgrade. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's a very real possibility. Sony had previously previously said... Yeah, it's late. We're we're recording late. (laughs) They'd previously said that they were waiting to show what makes the PS5 unique. You know, and and Xbox has kind of been talking about those services for a while. So I wouldn't have been surprised even before to see Sony kind of leaning into those services in a bigger way. They've already been paying a little more attention to PlayStation now. I mean, the thing that I get the most excited about Oftentimes with, you know, a streaming future, they've they've had uh, PlayStation Now and Remote Play for a while. Like I was playing Destiny 1 or 2, like on my Vita via my PlayStation 4. 
so they, they've done all this stuff and all these services and subscriptions. They've already killed one PlayStation view, uh, which was kind of their TV service, which is maybe a little ahead of its time or I don't know, but like, so I wouldn't be surprised to have seen that rear its head anyways. And then to this article specifically, or this news kind of coming out now, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if by, you know, if someone's listening to this Monday afternoon, that that's already changed and course corrected. Um, like the uh um it, the 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 market has corrected hopefully knock on wood coronavirus has you know we, we got a handle on like i don't know in this specific example but it seems like it's not uncommon in tech or another in industry to be like oh this, these are through the roof uh everything's gonna collapse and blah 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 and then two weeks later well we found this other pool of thing and now we have yeah. the thing um so I, until these come out, I'm not sure. And also the the biggest part for me, and while I really like the story, I think it's interesting. It's like as a consumer and not someone who kind of talking about the industry, I kind of don't care if Sony takes a loss. <laughs> as, you oh, know, sure. But, yeah. You just want, you know, yeah, you, yeah exactly. You want the, the thing at the lowest price that you can get it. Of course. The, the concern with that though, is like the three of us, we're going to get this thing as close to day one as possible as part of our jobs, but there are going to be tons of people that will do the same thing. And what if the price goes down as soon as these components go down? You know, what if we are looking at like an iPhone one situation where like everybody that was an early adopter is now being punished by the company that they were willing to support right out of the gate. I still have my four gig iPhone one, Anthony, you stop. (laughs) I also have the, I bought it day one and was very mad that they lowered it by and just gave me money for Apple. So I like my 3DS founders package or whatever I got. <laughs> gamers, the gamers are so much about that. Like it, with games and, and hardware and everything, they're like, I'll wait until this. I'll wait until price drop. I'll wait until games. I'll wait until this. So for Sony, that's going to be a big issue. If this comes out and people say like, this is true, this is accurate. There's reports to support this report. And then knowing that they can potentially lower the price and put it on sale by mid to 2021. Well, if the thing's doing well at the price point that's inflated and then the cost goes down, I think they just pocket that difference rather than passing the savings along to you. Oh, sure. But as a person who spends it, you'd be a little mad. Sure. But I, I'm actually much more worried. I mean, this is me, but I'm much more worried about, they're just being shortages that it will, you know, you come, it comes out, uh, you know, November, whatever. And we have this crazy frenzy. Like we get every few years of, I was going to say that can't get that kind of excites me. I, I, no, like, I, no, 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 I, I don't want to exist in the PS3. Uh, or the Wii when people were PS3 like putting Wii up era. Yeah. No, putting up, people f- putting up like site maps of, of, I, yeah, I did all that drive into the stores and seeing the lines out front uh, in the morning and go, I never mind. No, I think that's, no. I like hunts. I, I mean, no. don't get me wrong. From a consumer standpoint, like, I just want to get my thing, but like getting my new iPhone by just staying up until 1201 and clicking the button and getting it convenience is the best yeah, i mean it's no stress i don't have to stand in line there's no not knowing it's just like i, know, uh, just, that's... I click the thing and it arrives when it arrives and it yeah. shows up right at my house i don't have to do anything oh it's the best christian you know? is still keeping bookstar in business <laughs> part part of the reason i i'm not alone in this i don't know if others will admit it but i am and i am part of the reason why 
loot boxes are still popular <laughs> and it's, it's that same thing of getting the thing that you didn't think you were going to get. And I, I, I admit that it's problematic, but I'd also be lying to myself if I said that it wasn't fun to find a Wii at Target when I had been looking for them for my little brother for Christmas. Like, I I, again, I know, I know. Christian, I slept on the concrete in front of the Best Buy for my Xbox 360, and there's something romantic about it. But I was also a single guy, and it was many years ago, and I'm I'm tired. Yeah. And my now you have two kids to sit in line for you while you stay at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I pl- I paid exorbitant fees on eBay to get a Wii <laughs> early, so yeah, I'm good. Just paying what it costs and too. getting it sent to me the day it comes out. And we saw we saw that just most recently with like. The Super Nintendo Mini and the yeah, these, I got one of those. That was awesome. Yeah, but it was like you know people were not finding them and there were shortages. Ugh, I don't want to play that game anymore. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I so I I agree, but unfortunately, like that game has been commoditized not for consoles anymore, but it's like sneakers. Like sign up for the app, join the thing, get the thing to do the thing to get in line to get the thing. Did you get the thing? You didn't get the thing. Try again tomorrow. Like people have realized that there are enough people like me with this sickness that <laughs> sure uh, but we've also discredit it by giggling in, but. in the hardware game we've evolved past the yes. iphone one day and in the yes. ps3 Wii day where you can get the thing you can get the switch everybody bought the switch early and was worried but you could just get the switch when the switch yes. came out christian we and don't even have to stand in line for the next the new star wars movie anymore we just we buy our seat in advance and we're happy and we just go and we get disappointed by the movie and we come home like any <laughs> person is supposed to be <laughs> all right what is your story of the week spicer oh there's a lot uh even with the early recording and i'm gonna bridge two together um the one is has been rumored for against the rules against the rules but go ahead it's not i it's, think he's gonna i think he's do doing it. what i was gonna do so i love him for this uh anthony is a good guy like this is news to me i saw the okay, headline okay never mind I, he's, he's <laughs> off my list <laughs> Anthony has heart after all was the headline I read on uh gamejournalist.biz. <laughs> no, it's uh Anthem getting their their over, huge overhaul that Jason I, Schreier what? Pretty sure pretty sure that was one of my uh predictions, one of my bold predictions of the year. Well, and it it, it was sure. a prediction. It had been rumored for a while, but it seems to have legs now. And with bold, that, I say, bold. <laughs> I, I'm going to call shenanigans on it being bold when there was rumored. Well, I, 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 it wasn't just that the game was getting overhauled. My, my prediction was that uh, by I the end of the, the year, Christmas decorations up for. <laughs> no, I said by the end of the year, people will be saying that Anthem is good. So yes. you know that's, oh, this hasn't been that's true okay. Yet. Fair enough. Fair enough. That is that is still bold. Um, the the sister story or the, the sister city story with this is the division two. Um, theirs is not even a rumor, their big extant expansion, um, warlords of New York, not gangs of New York, different. It's a movie warlords of New York, um, is coming out on March 3rd, $30 addition to the division two, which is currently $3 Three uh, bucks. digitally. Crazy. Um, and then I think they're going to release whatever. But so these, to me, the story is the taken King of of these mm, games. How dare you? I think it's more the World of Warcraftification. How dare you? I also God, think it's Taken King. How dare you? I also think it's the we put a lot of time and money and resources into these things, and they didn't hit expectationification of things. 
what can we do to salvage them? Because Effication. Effication. Yeah, full sequels are hard, and they, they ex- people expect things differently from them, rightly or wrongly, in my opinion. And these overhauls and war, war, <laughs> Warcraft uh, has certainly kind of shown that through expansion, a game can have legs. But this, like, reboot... No, what it is is, is, is a game's release is no longer the last word on a game. It, even if a game comes out and is bad, there's no that's not necessarily the last you've ever hear hear of it. And I think that's kind of positive and awesome. But Mass Effect Andromeda has something to say about that. <laughs> well, it doesn't always the case, but you know, Final Fantasy fourteen and but so what. Uh, I think there's a difference, though. I agree with you generally, but I think this specific story is a different example of that. I think Final Fantasy XIV and, like, uh, well, maybe No Man's Sky. Like, there's different ways to approach this. And I think No Man's Sky's approach, and I know they've had, like, big named next chapters, but I think the – and I don't – Anthems hasn't quite been laid out what it is yet. But, like, what the Division Two is doing is, like, the selling of the thing that still requires the base thing that they're basically giving away for free now. But it's it's a big thing that's purchasable versus um, maybe the better example is um, uh, Warframe, where it's, like, that – we'll have a few named events, but it's never, like, hey, this is our thing now. Like we're rebreaking this thing, starting this thing now. This is addressing all of these issues. Now it's good, and that's what I feel like the division is doing. Because the division two, uh, so I bought it for three dollars, and I can talk about it later. Uh, and I had played it before via GameFly, and my save was there, and I picked right back up where I was. We both liked it, but neither one of us talked about it. We didn't play it much, and you played the crap out of the first one. I did play the crap out of the first one, and I expected to play the crap out of the second one, and I didn't. I think it's just too many other shiny things at the same time, but I still really liked the second one. And I think I think what you're saying, basically, Christian, is that you combine two stories that, that don't really – they're just two separate things. No, they're not. I was they gonna, going to combine them. To be fair, I was going to combine them as well. well just because you're both doing it doesn't make it right. It's fair, I, fair. I think, I think that no two wrongs make a right. I do, I right, do think Jeff. I do agree with you that um, anthems is a little different. I'm suspicious. It's different. Of, it's different I, thing. I, I'm suspicious of anthems. To be honest, I think that anthems is a lot more problematic because anthem is fundamentally broken in a lot of ways. Well, that's what they're talking. They're talking about but, fundamentally but, fixing it. But they're, they don't acknowledge any of the problems. They're just like, yeah, we screwed up. But they're not saying how they screwed up. and how, It's very you know, vague. The, I mean, the quote from Casey Hudson is, longer-term redesign of the experience, specifically working to reinvent the core gameplay loop with clear goals, motivating challenges, and progression with meaningful rewards. But, for example, implies, one of one of the the game didn't have any of that. Well, stuff. one of the problems that Anthem is broken is that every time you load in, the game randomly decides your shield. Um, like there are fundamental like elements of the game that are broken, and I think they never understood why they were broken or how they worked. Like to me, the Anthem thing reads to me like EA saying, "Hey, Bioware, put out a message that says this. Maybe we can get a few more sales in preparation for a overhaul that's not happening." Oh, you're so cynical. It's, you're so cynical. Okay. I think this, I think let, this is exactly- Let me just clarify. In my PlayStation, you know, top played 2019 list, number one, Destiny in terms of hours, number one, Destiny 2, number two, Anthem, number three, Division 2. Number so four, you, cynical. 
You've played you've played a lot more Anthem than I have. That's for sure. But I put in like ninety five hours. That's definitely three times as much as I did easily. I mean, I didn't even approach so, but thirty. The hours. problems, in my opinion, with Anthem are not like Division's issues were just they were repeating the same issues with Division One, which had its own overhaul that I think was like one point six or one point seven was was when they like started to re- revamp it. It just seems like okay. They know how to fix this, kind of like Destiny Two. They know how to fix this. They just but try but different new but things. I think Casey okay. Hudson's quote could almost be applied to the division for what they're doing with Warlords of New York Two. When looked at broadly, where it's like it's going to a seasonal approach, which is implying that there weren't motivating challenges for in-game players to come back to. For the sure. gameplay loop is changing, where it's not just Dark Zone and in-game kind of raid content. Now it's this season content with new. Um, audio logs to find potentially new missions to do um, and the progression system from what I've read and understand of warlords is also being revamped with how you get yeah. gear and how you equip it versus now where having going back to division two now after playing um, ghost recon the last ghost recon it's like I saw hints of where that game was going it's like the blueprint approach where I, I didn't get the thing I got the thing to get the thing to build the thing and it seems like my understanding of warlords is that they're kind of trying to pull back from that so i while i agree that anthem probably has larger like i am playing the division two again i've been playing it i probably played i don't know maybe 10 hours this this week um and while it's not my favorite game ever i clearly keep playing it anthem i think my disc is a coaster somewhere <laughs> you know what right, i mean to, to well, me the problem, the, go ahead go on jeff no you go on jeff well I was, the problem i i we have, we're kind of all over the place in this conversation because I do think these are two very different stories. Where they are linked in my head is that I I think both of them are pretty. Um, I think they're both pretty positive, and I think they both indicate a a trend that I think is actually really great, which is games get improved, and especially these big investment games, these big AAA games, they come out, and that's not the last we hear of them that you know you come out you get reviews people like or dislike your thing and then 6 months a year later it can be a completely different game so that's where they're similar but where they're completely different in my mind and why i think this conversation is kind of sprawling a bit is because in one case i do think you have in division 2 a world of warcraft or sort of classic mmo type situation where you have a game that came out and then its expansion fundamentally changes things adds things uh refreshes the experience for people that are excited about it and maybe brings in some new players with Anthem. I think it's a very different thing. It's a, it's a game. It is a much more like a final fantasy 14 or a a new no man's sky where it comes out. It isn't, it isn't what they said it was going to be. They recognize that. And for all indications, it's going to be a free update, a free change. That is not an expansion that, transforms this game into something much closer to what their original promise was and hopefully fixes a lot of things that as you rightly pointed out Anthony were broken about it. So I think I think it is a completely different approach in both of these situations. I think Anthem really is is, you know, uh Elder Scrolls Online, Final Fantasy 14, it's these games that came out and made a really kind of landed with a thud like a lead balloon and did not make a good Im- first impression. Uh, Fallout well, 76. There's a lot of examples. But, but of to that. be fair, what is the uniting element of those three that you named? Elder Bethesda? Scrolls, Final They're Fantasy. Oh. No, they are 
some of the biggest video game properties in the world. Anthem is nothing. Well, it but it I think I think EA recognizes that they had something really popular. I think the game had a lot of buzz and a lot of pre-sales and a lot. Of, I mean, people wanted it, the thing. It that was they our biggest disappointment of last year, Jeff. I I'm not arguing with that. That's I, what, I, I don't think it can be a, safe. To be honest, I don't that, think it, I don't think it can be safe. But the only reason something is a disappointment is because you have high hopes for it. And I think that that that's exactly the same thing with No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky was nothing. It was just a a, a lot of high hopes that some people liked and a lot of people didn't. And now it be, has transformed and become this whole other thing that I think mon- many more people like and has really kind of won back a lot of the naysayers, including myself. Sure. And I think, you know. I'm I'm optimistic that Anthem can do that. I really hope they can. I guess I guess the difference for me is that No Man's Sky or, or Division Two or um, Sea of Thieves, for example, they're they're all games where it's like I you can see the path to improve it. Like Destiny Two had, had a kind of rocky launch after people started to get towards the the end game stuff, but you could see where they could come in and improve it. Whereas Anthem, I just think has so many, like it just, I'm just going to keep saying it. It has so many fundamental problems that I just don't see them being able to figure it out. I don't see where they could make it a game worth playing. Cut to Anthony on back on our show in game of the October. year <laughs> you're like anthem is amazing and they fixed everything it's i hope everything. so i think I anthony would be happy with that or cause... cut to 2025 and i'm on the podcast and i'm like where's that anthem overhaul <laughs> I remember, remember yeah. that anthem overhaul 2025 Chip in the garage we're like, anyone anyone we're talking about uh you know rationing water and uh you know the I think, but I do think the division two thing is, is more of a taken King type type situation. They're giving people what they want. There's been a ton of, you know, calls within the community of division saying like, you didn't follow through on this Aaron Keener storyline. We'd like to see that. And they're saying, okay, you're right. We tried to do something different and we're going to, we're going to give you exactly, exactly what you want. We're going to try and play a little fast and loose with the loot. I think the loot changes are good where you can farm in specific areas for specific items. And they're doing, you know, their version of armor 2.0. I do think that there are so many good things that they're doing, but division two itself, when it launched was a very fun game. And the only problems that kind of appeared to me was in the things that they are fixing, but fundamentally the game was super solid. As someone who did not finish the story of Division 2, as I'm playing it more now, I when I read about this, I could not believe, or let me say, I was shocked that Division 2 didn't link back to the Division 1 and that Aaron Keener's story isn't being concluded until now. I felt like it was cool. The Division 1, that was kind of cool to like, I don't know, I like loose ends. It didn't feel like a cliffhanger, but it felt like, oh yeah, there's bigger, badder stuff going down. And then to learn now that the division two, like there were still that going down. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that I get to just skip that uh, letdown of finishing the division two. And now on March 3rd, go play this and, and go after that guy. Cause he was such a big presence in the first game. That's anyway, that's like old news to everybody that has been hardcore about the division two, but that really struck me as odd. Well, I do need to uh, thank our first sponsor right about now, and that is Quip. Uh, it's not its not every day you hear somebody say that a toothbrush changed their life, but a toothbrush changed my life. 
I love Quip. I really do. We are a three Quip family. I have a Quip. My wife has a Quip. My son has a Quip. You say daughter, you're equipped with Quip? Yeah. We are uh, all we, – we're three Quipped. Ah, I like that. Yeah, three Quipped. Uh, and when my daughter gets old enough, she's going to get a Quip too because uh, Quip is the best way to take care of your mouth. Uh, that – I have come to believe that absolutely true. It actually – eases my mind. It makes me brush better. It makes me have better oral hygiene all because it takes care of the thinking about it for me. It's a smart toothbrush. First of all, it's got really wonderful sonic vibrations. It's comfortable. The toothpaste is great uh, and it feels like a a high tech thing. It feels like, you know, it feels as somebody who likes tech. I love how it's built, how it looks, how it feels, how it uh, hangs on my mirror up and out of the way. It's all thought through and smart, but that's not even the best part. The best part is that doc, uh, dentists, excuse me, not doctors, dentists recommend that you brush for two minutes. And I probably never brushed for two minutes my whole life up until Quip, but now I do every single time. Why? Because Quip vibrates and pulses every 30 seconds and the fourth time turns itself off. So I know that I've gone two minutes and I don't have to even think about it. I don't have to worry. I don't have to, I can be, let my mind wander and think about other things. And Quip has got me covered. It turns itself off after two minutes. I just keep going until it's done. Every 30 seconds it pulses and I kind of move the brush to another section of my mouth. It's amazing. The other thing I don't have to worry about is replace, replacing my brush because the the bristles, as you know, dentists recommend replacing your brush every three months. What Quip does is it puts you on a subscription, gives you a new brush head every three months, new tube of toothpaste, everything. Even a new battery comes in their cool little little uh, monthly subscription packet. It's so great. I just pop off the head, pop on the new one. It's amazing. It's got clean new bristles, feels great in my mouth. This is the future and it has made my life better. They have the the small head for my my son in his like, you know, tiny 3-year-old mouth. It's great. And then my wife and I have the full size. Quip starts at just 25 bucks and you can get your first refill free when you go to getquip.com/dlc. It's a simple way to support our show and start brushing better, but you have to go to getquip.com/dlc to get your first refill free. So go right now getquip.com slash DLC. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash DLC. All right. My story of the week, I, I got to go with friend of the show, Jeff Keeley. Uh, as goes Keeley, so goes the world, they say. Uh, and Keeley's pulling out of E3. Keeley out of E3. Uh, Keeley, Jeff Keeley, who has done the E3 Coliseum for a few years now, and by his own report, has gone to E3 for 25 years in a row, says he is not participating, will not be doing E3 Coliseum, which was his sort of interview series and, uh, you know, law, wall-to-wall programming concurrent with E3. Not only is he not doing that, he's not even going. Uh, he left a, an official statement on the internet uh, saying that he hopes that he can support the industry in other ways and other events uh, but that it quote, wasn't an easy decision to make, but I think it's the right one for me. Uh, and I wanted fans to know before tickets go on sale. So, you know, all the people that go only for Keeley, you know, maybe not want to go, but maybe um, he's waiting a week to announce Jeff Keel three, maybe key three, key three. Ooh, that sounds pretty good. 
Uh, he says, quote, we're, we're at an interesting inflection point between physical and digital events. And certainly E3 is in the middle of a transition evolving from what was traditionally an industry trade show. As someone who attended E3 for more than two and a half decades, there are, of course, a lot of emotions. But when you look at it objectively, E3 is really just an idea about uniting the industry and fans to celebrate the medium on a global scale. The future of E3 will be determined based on how effective the brand is at delivering against that goal. Sounds like E3 is going to have some competition from Key3, perhaps, or maybe some other event. But we've talked a lot in recent years about the steady decline of E3. We know Sony is not going to be there again this year. A lot of companies not there in recent years and moving forward. Uh, it feels like this might be the last last straw, Anthony. What do you think? As goes Keeley, so goes E3. Is it is it the death knell? Is it finally the last nail in the coffin? I don't know. I don't know if it's the death knell, but it's pretty significant. I, I mean, I I have a lot of respect for the fact that he came out and he because his announcement sort of uh, accompanied a story that the E3 2020 website leaked, and he basically came out and said, "In light of that, like I I, I want you guys to know, I'm not I'm not going to E3 uh, this year." No, he didn't. He didn't say that was the reason he wasn't going, but. I think that that probably weighed on his decision. I think that there are a lot of people in the media industry that are looking at E3 with some raised eyebrows just because of the security concerns. But yeah, just yeah, for sure. just from like the perspective of putting out information, he did so many unique things that you couldn't really get anywhere else. He um if I remember correctly, he did like a Crash Bandicoot reunion. Was that last year? He he did a lot of uniting crash with Bandicoot. <laughs> I think it was like the devs that worked on it. Um, anyway, he did a lot of things that were uh, not just he wasn't just announcing games, or he really wasn't announcing games in general. But he was putting on a show that was like a celebration of the industry and its history. And that element not being there is, I think, somewhat significant. Now, the skeptic in me wonders if maybe you know he's. He knows some things, you know, as far as like maybe there's not going to be a lot of people there. There's not going to be enough game announcements. Maybe he knows what Sony's doing and he wants to be available. Who knows? But <laughs> yeah. I mean, or, just or, I mean, the guy's an entrepreneur, right? He he started sure. the Game Awards and he has built that into something really impressive. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we've seen the kind of funny folks do their own kind of uh, announcement, game announcement thing about mostly indie titles. But you know, they're kind of building something as well. And there's no reason why the ESA has to be the only group that puts on something like this. I mean, PAX is a private thing that has become a place where the industry announces new things. I could certainly see Jeff Keeley thinking, hey, I can create something. I, I have no information. I mean, I, he and I are friendly, but I haven't talked to him about this specifically. Hopefully he'll come on the show. I'm going to reach out to him after I get back from Hawaii and see if maybe he'll come back on and, and talk to us. But, uh, you know, I think it's certainly a potential that he may have yeah. some sort of competing thing or 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 something that is completely different but yeah. fills a similar function. I think it's all Achieves that goal. Less competing and he thinks that goal needs to be filled still. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's important to point out that though they are at, quote, at E3, Xbox really isn't part of E3. Right. It's just, you, it just happened to be need a badge. adjacent. Yeah. You don't need a badge. You don't need, you don't need anything to attend to anything related to Xbox at E3. Right. 
So um, and EA same way. EA yeah, is exactly happening, happening EA, at EA's, near E3. Yeah, yeah, same thing. So you know, Keeley could theoretically participate in any one of these events that are not technically E3 or ESA sanctioned, but he could go and he could be the MC for Xbox Series X events, like where they talk about sure. he could do anything. So yeah. and maybe it that's does, not it, technically E3. It does feel though like he's saying I'm not participating in that week. Yeah. You know, it, it kind for of sure. feels like that's what he's saying. And it's interesting. Um, I do. I think this is this just the slow decline of that event, and the and really, in a larger sense, uh, the slow decline of needing intermediaries. This is the disintermediation of news in the gaming space. None of these companies are need us, <laughs> you know. And it's really sad because I've enjoyed that relationship of of uh, you know explaining my experience to an audience, but. More and more and more, these companies are realizing that we, they just talk directly to the audience and they don't need to go through an intermediary of the press. Of I think what's unquote, different is it's, it's, it's not an intermediary as much as it is a reactionary area where they still do need people to, yes, um, you know, Square Enix can say we have a new game coming out from People Can Fly and it's incredible. And that's a statement on its face. And then they can have people play it and talk about their experience with it. And that the point allowed- I'm trying to make uh, the point I'm trying to make here is that there, I think we are very close to a reality where whatever the E3 type event for a company is, you know, we go to an E3 event and there's a demo and we play it and we talk to people about it. They can just give that to everyone. They don't need an event where you go and you sit in a room with journalists and they play your game. I, you can I, just I, put out the put I disagree. Out the- yeah, I disagree. I think part of that is we are – I don't want to sound mean to anybody else, but I think we are a little more uh, objective. We've done it enough that like when the sync doesn't you know, work with the voices, we wouldn't put that in a preview or talk about that versus somebody else – playing that at home would say this game is broken. Let me put together a, you know, a whole montage of all the ways the game is broken. And I think, I don't know. I think you look at what Keeley did this year with the game awards where he said, Hey, part of the game awards is there's what was it like 20, 30 games that you can download and play right now that are just a taste of these games that it's like a home arcade situation where you're getting a taste of all these. And yeah, there was smaller scale stuff. It wasn't the real big headlining triple a things i think keely sees and i think it's kind of obvious that that's the future that these companies don't care to have someone decide what something is they just let the audience decide yeah and mm-hmm. in the age I, of in I the think age of very bold in the age of netflixification of games that's that's what it's going to be man it's going to be just pump it out into the subscription service that you're already paying for. Maybe you can play it a, a, for a week or before it's really out, whatever it is. I, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm overstating it, but I think that's where we're, the whole thing is heading because they don't care. They I, I don't think, care. 
I think you, we, well, Xbox had done what Keeley did, you know, the way I say everything five years ago, where it was like everything they announced, they had a demo of available in the store. I think PlayStation had done something similar too. And I, I agree with you, Jeff, that getting people, getting things out into everyone's hands is easier and that happens. And I think that's part of a successful launch strategy and will remain so. But I still think that there is value in having people amplify your message and that message coming from the, the voices of, people that are trusted or beloved within communities. So it's not just but that happens anyway. They, it, there's, there's no stopping that, that, that is people are doing that for free all the time constantly. Right. But I think because I agree with what Anthony said as well, that part of that is that you can get that message amplified before it's ready to go wide. You're able to have trusted partners, uh, whether they're influence, however you want to label it, influencer, regular person, journalist, uh, enthusiast, whatever, you're able to plan these things as part of your rollout and part of your strategy. And I think that to your point of Netflix, Netflix sends people press they watch it first and there are reviews out before it is available for me to watch on Netflix. They're not just dumping things out into the world, not everything, but for a lot of those bigger series, they, the first three episodes are available and you can read about it or you talk about it on slash film like that, that happens. And I think that still happens. I think it will remain important. I like the democratization of it where more people are able to see and play these publicly accessible demos and and I would love to have those barriers broken down even more but I still think there is value in um a planned I, media rollout believe me I'm I am on that team I'm not saying I like what I'm predicting I, sure. because that's been my job for the last 12 years and I kind of like being in that position and being able to have an audience and have people trust what I say and try to you know, try to look at things with a, with a level of experience. And, um, I, I mean, I, I also enjoy reading and viewing other people who I value in that space. And I so believe me, I'm not advocating for this. I'm actually sort of saying it in a way that feels a little defeated because this is phasing out the kind of career that I've had. So I don't know. I'm not, I'm not I'm not championing this. I think with the way that Twitch and Reddit and and those types of services work that I just don't think that breaking down those barriers is going to do anything but hurt products. Cuz for example, uh Christian and I, we both played Outriders and Christian, I don't know about you, but my demo wasn't perfect. And if mm-hmm. that demo was available to everybody and maybe streamed, it the number one clip from Outriders would probably be the game crashing or having a real awful bug. It wouldn't be anything positive. I think in those hands-on situations, the flaws get um, magnified. I mean, look at how many games release a beta or an alpha or a demo ahead of release and people start to see issues with it and then it kills the game. It killed Anthem. I, I think that I think that there's value in these events and and inviting people that will be able to kind of parse through what they've played and how things might work and only focus on, you know, what the experience is versus just putting it out there is essentially going to be putting something really bare on the internet that is just going to get criticized for its flaws and not really emphasized for its positives. And I think to, to bring this around again, back to Keeley's announcement, um, I, I personally never attended any of the E3 Coliseum things. I, I watched maybe a couple of them online. 
um, but it was not part of the show to me in terms of like a must-see or thing. A couple times headlines would come out of it. Um, and I'm just speculating here. I, I don't know, but I, I do wonder anytime I see things like this, maybe I'm the cynic now as well, or Anthony and I share that cup. Um, I, I feel like it's money. It's money or brand, right? Like I did, I did have that same thought that maybe they were like, Hey, we don't want to do this thing anymore, but like we're going to let successful. you say you aren't doing it anymore. You weren't getting numbers. Well, are you willing to do it for this much? Or Keely's like, see the other side of that is he sees the writing on the wall of the ESA and E3 and is like, Hey, I'm not going to saddle my cart to this horse anymore. I'm going to produce PSX for Sony instead, you know, like there's that thing to like, I don't want to be associated with this negative thing that now maybe he got an inside look at to what their stage shows and athletes, you know, like plan is. And he's like, I don't want to have my name represented on that. Like I, I, there's plenty of things that I'm aware of in the world. Like I don't want kids out there buying, you know, Marlboro Christian Spicers, <laughs> you know, like, I'd be like, Oh, yeah, well, we have no idea what the thought process was, but I do, exactly. I do, think, I do think it's an interesting, it's an interesting I mean, data it's, point. It's for sure. significant. It's it is significant. absolutely significant, and I, it will be fascinating to see how his year. If he, if we don't hear from Keeley until the Game Awards, I'll be shocked. Yes. Right. So I think well, he's already I doing think, Gamescom opening night, so that will already right. come before that. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm sure we'll we'll hear more about what his plans are. And you know he's he's a, he's a big part of this industry at this point. So um, you know, hopefully we can get him on the show. And you know, I don't know. He's a, he's a harder get than he used to be, but he's he's been on our show a couple of times. Um, maybe we can get him. in. He's very busy ask. and he's great at what he does. So it makes well, sense. clearly less busy now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Come we on. heard you have a hole. What are you doing yeah, in June? Got, uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on the show. We want to have him on our E3 recap show. <laughs> come back, Joe. I know you're listening right now, Jeff. Uh, come on, come back. Come back. <laughs> Uh, all right, I want to thank our second sponsor, Third Love. I love it when Third Love sponsors. Um, they they have really uh, – they believe in our show, and they believe the fact that we have a really strong female audience. The, there are a lot of women listening to our show and uh, a lot of men that uh, know women and tell them about Third Love, which is – we love it. Um, Third Love – is my favorite, my wife's favorite sponsor of our show. She literally just bought three more bras from Third Love. Third Love is a bra company, and they are my wife's favorite bra company. I think your wife's too, right, Christian? Yes, and she also just uh, recommitted and <laughs> made more Third Love purchases herself. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's awesome. My wife gets very excited. She's like, "Do you saw that promo code? My friends want. Uh, I've been telling my friends about Third Love." Uh, so she's probably should be the one that's stepping in here and talking to you about it. But I will relate her enthusiasm for Third Love and tell you why. Uh, the reason is they're all about the perfect fit. Uh, Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who've taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for the perfect fit and premium feel. I didn't even really know until Third Love sponsored our show how many women just wear ill-fitted bras and think that that's the way life has to be. They're just kind of uncomfortable and not 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 great. Um, but Third Love has more sizes than most other brands. They have more than 80 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. So already they are ahead of the game as far as just having more options. And they've got this Fit Finder quiz that over 14 million have taken. Uh, it's just a few simple questions. It, it, it's actually fun to take it. Uh, and it, it determines, they have, you know, they've figured it out how it can determine 
your perfect fit. Um, and in fact, they give you that perfect fit promise. Every customer has 60 days to wear their bra, wash their bra, put it to the test. 60 days. And then if you don't love it, you can return it and third level will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. How cool is that? So even if you end up not liking your third love bra, it goes to a woman in need. And so you're actually benefiting by even giving it a chance. Pretty amazing. Uh, they have fit stylists that are available every day to help via text, chat, and phone dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit. Returns and exchanges are free and easy. The materials they use are, are comfortable and top-notch. This is great. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash DLC now. Find your perfect fitting bra. You get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash DLC for 15% off today. T-H-I-R-D-L-O-V-E dot com slash D-L-C. Ooh, Time to talk about the games that we have been playing, and let's start with the game both of you guys got a chance. You already mentioned uh, you got to went to an event this week, um, doing playing hands on the new people can fly shooter called Outriders. Anthony, what was your opinion of that game? I enjoyed what I played of it. Um, I really had only seen, as with most most people, before I played it, I really had only seen that trailer from E3, had no real sense of what they were going for. But um, at the event, and, and since they have explained in a, in a trailer release, and then they did a gameplay demo, it is a third-person co-op shooter with RPG elements, uh, a little bit of looting. I don't know how deep that goes, because what we experienced didn't, didn't offer as a substantial look at loot, but based on your most played games of the year that I've recently been given the data on, mm-hmm. yes, uh-huh, this seems like right up your alley, a game right up your alley, my friend. Uh, well, maybe. I don't know how, in talking to people can fly, it didn't seem like loot is as key a portion of the game. It seemed like they were kind of going for more of a uh, loot, looter shooter light but mostly a focus on kind of delivering a contained story driven experience a la like a mass effect i thought that the the thing that they name checked was diablo but the problem with that with with the the comparisons to anything with loot is what we played did not it it didn't like have that like loot excitement to me uh, it didn't. Well, drop is that maybe them. because you were playing a demo? I mean, sometimes they hold that yeah. stuff back. Well, sure. Not show. Yeah. I guess it just like you can't you can't yeah. tell me what you're going for. You have to because like even yeah. even playing like early uh, demos of like Destiny Two or Division Two, like loot was dropping, and I was looking at loot. Whereas this, it was a little different. I I I, I don't want to speak too much about the loot because I don't want to make any judgments. But like just playing the game. It's super fun. Um, I was able to play two of the classes, the trickster and the pyromancer, and almost got to play the third, but I ran out of time. Um, And they're all different. They have uh, a handful of different abilities that you will unlock. uh, We didn't have enough time to unlock all of them, but you can slot up to three uh, on your character, and they do different things based on the class. So the trickster, for example, is um, kind of focused on getting in close and dealing high damage with 
powers or weapons. Uh, it is a third person shooter. Um, whereas the pyromancer can kind of stay at mid range and use flame based abilities to attack, but, but also kind of like blend in some up close stuff, depending on how you want to play. But it really reminded me of mass effect a lot. Um, in a good way, in a good way, the cooldowns are are very quick. You know, you're not, it's not like playing any of those other games with, with abilities where it's like, okay, well I used my, ult or I use my grenade or something and I'm waiting a minute or two, you really replenish stuff fast. So um, the trickster, for example, has this ability where you can basically teleport line of sight to any enemy and appear behind them. And I was, I was just zipping around the, the like uh, areas really quick and, and doing kind of crazy moves like this, sword that basically cuts through the enemies and turns them into like skeletons, kind of like that scene in Watchmen when Dr. Manhattan like basically explodes kind of looks like that. It's, it's really cool though. I think the story or the lore that they're, they're building has kind of like a sci-fi otherworldly Mad Max concept. I really enjoyed everything that I saw. There wasn't really anything that I was wary of. Um, I know Christian had told me that he was very impressed, so I'm curious. Yeah, Christian's been speaking very highly of Outriders. Uh, I know you were you were super enthusiastic about it, right? Yeah. So if people want to see uh, my gameplay, which I'm not trying to tout my skills, uh, they're not awful, but I'm clearly not. I'm never claimed to be the best gamer, but I have video and kind of impressions right after the event that I recorded that you can find on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. If you go into videos there, it's not a live stream, but it is the gameplay you see in that is me actually playing. Um, we recorded, I they provided a hard drive that I recorded my, my gameplay on. Um, and those were kind of like moment pretty close after I played talking about my thoughts, but I am very excited. Like Anthony, I, I don't want to say I wrote this game off, but it seemed like an odd trailer in the middle of Square Enix's E3 2019 trailer. It was like Final Fantasy was clearly the focus and Avengers. And then it was like in this game. And then it was like, oh, oh, what was, what do you even do in that game? It was like, yeah, it's a game. And I remember being excited because people can fly. I think has made mechanically some of my favorite shooters over the years. It's like, I didn't realize it in the moment, but uh, bullet storm, I think is absolutely incredible. I really like their what's up underrated under. Yeah. I mean, it had its problems with like tone. (laughs) Yeah. I I think abrasive to say the least, but a really fun game, really fun. And I thought their gears game had some ascension judgment. Yeah. Judgment is called judgment. That one had some really creative and interesting moments too. And, and um, Outriders, this game we're talking about now, it felt to me like what I wanted Gears 5 to be or what Gears – it feels like – it feels a little bit like Gears in terms of – at any minute I kept thinking that I have a Lancer with a chainsaw on it. It's third person. You can do popping behind cover. You slam against the cover. Your character's more svelte than a Gears-like character, but like pressing against cover feels similar and you vault over it. But your character is also faster where I found success running around in the field and kind of dive rolling around um, and didn't need to rely on just – kind of doing cover shooter mechanics but those are there and feel very much like a team that understands gears of war and make what makes that feel good big blood splatters as enemies heads pop off and like the blood coming out of you seems very reminiscent of gears and it feels like a game that learned from gears and learned from something like 
um, the division one or the division two. And instead of just launching and repeating those mistakes, like learn from them and, and combine them in a way that while not new feels fresh. Like, so I played for about three hours. Um, I also played as trickster and pyromancer as the two that I spent the most time with. And, um, in, in those moments, while it's not the same genre as Horizon Zero Dawn, I got the same feeling as that Horizon Zero Dawn gave me where Horizon Zero Dawn certainly didn't do, wasn't as innovative uh, in terms of an open world game that Breath of the Wild was, in my opinion. But Horizon Zero Dawn combined all of these established elements of what these third person action game open world games are and can be, and in my opinion, made one of the best versions of them. Um, and that's what Outriders felt like in my three hours. It felt like it took learnings from loot games and learnings from Gears of War third person action shooting games and combined them in a way that felt like a nice evolution of what those franchises could or should be. And I found the loot experience rewarding. Like in the just the clips I show in my video, it's, you know, the beginning, uh, I'm just a person enclosed. And there's time where I almost look like someone out of Assassin's Creed. Um, and then later my, my look, I think I have like a cape or something. Like the aesthetic is very much Destiny meets Mad Max as well. And I was picking up a decent number of guns and, and hoods and masks and armor and, and, and gear along the way that I felt like I was constantly going into my inventory screen, which if you've played Destiny or Assassin's Creed, um, you know what that looks like because it, it looks exactly like that. Um, but I also like the fact that I, I straight up asked them the question, like on a continuum of Destiny 2 and The Division, where is this game? And they said they don't see it on that line. They use the Diablo reference there. And while Diablo... Certainly now Diablo 3 has seasons and all these other things. To me, when I think about Diablo, it is, it's a self, it's a contained game, right? There is a beginning and an end to Diablo. And then you can play it on harder difficulties and keep getting different gear and different loot. But that game tells a story. And Outriders has Joshua Rubens writing on it, who wrote Telltale. He wrote on Assassin's Creed 2. I think he wrote, worked on Division, I mean, Destiny 1. Um, and they said that what kind of separates them from some of these games as service games, which they said Outriders is not, but what does that term even mean? They said it will have end game content that they didn't talk about at that time, but they did not view it as a, a games as service game. They said it would not have microtransactions. And what Joshua said separates it from a lot of those games is story that matters and is important and is a big driving force behind it. And the narrative from what I played was compelling. It, you know, you're kind of in this um earth has ended and they send out arcs sci-fi tropes right and they are on this planet that are trying to make it inhabitable for humanity and stuff goes sideways and here you are um with these powers and what's the world now and where do you fit into it um and it, it was compelling it i i really really enjoyed it and i agree with anthony that the powers having short cooldowns i felt like reminded me of control where I was always able to do the fun thing I wanted to do, but not spam it, you know, just to cheese my way through where it's like control. I could use all my telekinesis powers and my gun. And I kind of had this nice, you know, ballet of destruction that occurred. And the same thing was true of Outriders where I would, uh, as a trickster, teleport behind someone. They, uh, they also have like a gravity well that slows everybody down inside of it. And the bullets have bullet time in there. So I'd pop that to slow down a group of enemies. As I took down someone harder, then I'd find cover and pop back out. The characters also have different ways of regenerating health. Um, so like the trickster, it's by close combat kills 
or killing someone while you're close to them, which gave you that Doom 2016 feel of pushing in. Whereas the Pyromancer, you recover by marking them with your flame abilities and you can pick them off from further away to recover your health. So I don't know. I, I really, really liked it. And the last two kind of points are that they made that I that connected with me are one, doesn't matter what class you are, you can get any piece of gear. Um, there are differences among them with their powers or whatever, but any gun or any piece of gear you get is usable on your character, which I know some people maybe won't like because they like having, oh, I'm going to save this for, I'll stash this. And when I replay it as this and I'll use it as that character. I like that anytime I get something, I can go like, ooh, neat. <laughs> Do I want to use this now? Um, and then they also have something that they call world difficulty, I think. And so if you remember Assassin's world Creed, tears. what was it? They're world tiers. They have 15 world, world tiers. Yeah. And so like, if you remember Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Jeff, like as you play the kind of the world levels up with you, right. And you're kind of going along with it and it creates that content, that the gameplay that I think most people are familiar with in that type of game. And it appears as if Outriders can do that as well. Like as you play, the world tiers progress with you and that challenge kind of evolves as you evolve. But if you don't want to, you can set the world tier back down to what it was at the beginning. And now you're just a god. But the loot that drops won't be as rewarding. So it's it, you You can go in and tweak that. And if I'm playing co-op, um, it's three players uh, co-op, up to three players, I should say. And if I'm playing co-op as the host of that game, I can set that world tier and determine what it is. And I, I like that. I like this style of game still having difficulty where what kept me from the Division 2 early on. And for whatever reason, Destiny didn't, I, I think because I had Anthony as my Sherpa, uh, <laughs> But like not being able to adjust the difficulty created more of a grind than I wanted it to be, where I just wanted to sure. play the well, game. To be fair, Division 2 has the exact same concept of world tiers. Really? And you can't go back down. Yeah. You can or cannot go back down? You cannot. Like In I Outriders or Division 2? In Division 2. Right. You can't go back. That's what I'm saying. Outriders, you can go back down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was saying, because you, you mentioned Division doesn't have... Uh, a thing like that but they do but you can't change it sure yeah yeah that's well, what i'm saying it, outriders gotcha. i can change it Out, well outriders the, the world tiers unlock based on your skill level the the way that it works is you how long you go without dying basically levels up your potential for the next world tier so a lot of people if if you don't if you aren't skilled or whatever if you don't get good bro um, you just won't unlock those world tiers. Right. But They're even not- if I unlock them, I don't have to play at them. I can I can purposefully yeah, play yeah, at I world tier one, which I find refreshing. And so for me, what I think, and this might not be for everybody, but why, and I think people that listen to this show know I'm not just being put on by like, ooh, a, a fancy event. Uh, that, and it, was, it wasn't, it was a lot of just go play the game, the opening you know, a couple hours of the game versus like a very linear vertical slice. But what excites me about it is that it does seem to be have a contained story with constant kind of progression. And because of that, they described it as hub and spoke instead of open world, where I feel like the encounters all have purpose. The levels have level design. It's not just a city map where I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. And the purpose is just to grind. I think there will be moments of that to go get loot and gear up and and whatever that end game content ends up being. But I love the idea of having a tailored experience that also peppers in that loot and really compelling, fun third person combat. I, 
I've been wrong before. I was right last year after Control and ended up my favorite game. Right now, if I had to pick a multiplayer online game with loot and new costumes that's being published by Square Enix, last year I would have guessed I'd be excited about Avengers. This game and my personal hype meters, Outriders, Eclipses of uh, Avengers isn't even on the radar. I'm I I hope I'm not disappointed, but I am very very excited for Outriders now. So, in, from what you guys played, what how is the story expressed? Is it just cutscenes, or it's, is there it's a- full on cutscenes? Like your character that you create is fully voiced. Um, uh, you know every interaction that you have or that my character had, Christian's character had the exact same one. Well, we, there are some choices for dialogue, but the story does not branch. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's it's very straightforward. It it to me, it was surprisingly linear for what they said was you know somewhat uh, RPG focus. Like you I think Diablo is linear. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, uh, it just they're they, well, they talk about this concept of like a convoy where you have a car and you travel and and or like a truck and and other members of your squad would go with you. Um, but we didn't really get to see any of that. What we played was very much go to this point, get a quest, go forward, do the thing, come back, collect the reward from the quest, and then push forward a little further. And then there were like side quests. Yeah, there were two um, side quests, I think, that that I saw. I mean, my my main concern with that is that it's going to be a game, which I'm totally fine with, but it's going to be a game that they're going to say, well, yeah, the the replayability is just replaying the missions and that harder. That excites me more than a forever game and see like, that's why I might be alone in this, but I would love for this just to be a game. <laughs> well, yeah, but then that take that eliminates the loot element. And, uh, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. The, it didn't, it didn't for Diablo loot? to me because new game plus I think is exciting for that style of game. And I don't know how now I'm speculating, but I think you can still do stuff there or have raids or whatever they choose to do. Um, yeah. Well, regardless, it is called outriders and it's coming out on next gen consoles, holiday, 2020 yeah. PC, PS4, yeah, we, Xbox we played one it on a super high end PC. We did not play it on anything. Yeah. It's coming out on series X and PS five too, as right? well. Correct. Yep. That's exciting in and of itself. And it looked beautiful on the beefy PC. It looked real good. Yeah. There there was no, there was no sense of like, Oh, this is what it's going to look like on PS five. You know, both, both Christian and I have gameplay footage and it looks amazing, but that's, that's straightforward PC. It's a beefy PC that they didn't tell me what GPU it was, but the RTX logo was lit. (laughs) It was a a 2080. I could just, I could look at, I just looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So what else is on your playlist, Anthony? I played a little bit. There were some server issues today, and I think the game just came out today. I played some Wilson. I think it's called Wilson. Uh, oh, yes. I've had my eye on this game. Lord Lord of Mayhem. Just came Lord out. Yeah. Um, it, it, speaking of Diablo, it is essentially a isometric action RPG in the vein yeah. of Diablo or Path of Exile. It's real fun. Um, if you if you are into those types of games, I think it looks nice. It has um, an intriguing story so far. Um, I'm not quite sure, like how uh, varied the loot options are because it was really early on. And you were getting a lot of 
I was getting a lot of stuff that was like I started off as a range character and I was getting too many melee stuff. So I actually started over, rerolled as a melee character because it was just kind of frustrating. But outside of that, like I think the story is well told. Um, there's a ton of like deep, um, you know, skill tree stuff. The uh, it, it's not as like crazy overwhelming as path of exile is, but it's got that level of like, there are tons of dots that you can put points into and you can really spec a character in a way that makes it very different from the same person playing the same exact class. Um, it was, it's so far is a very promising game. I can't really say more than what I played. Um, you know, we'll have that longevity, but it's really well done. It looks good. It's got a lot of good visual effects, particle stuff, all that good, you know, bad guys dying, you know, uh, what's the, it just, it just looks good. Yeah. It looks good. Yeah. I'm excited about this one, man. I've had my eye on Wolson Lords of Mayhem for a while, <clears throat> 40 bucks on steam. Uh, if I wasn't going on vacation, I'd be picking it up right now. Uh, yeah, this is my jam. So I'm excited, excited about this, that it has positive, uh, first impression on you for sure. Uh, and then outside of that, I played zombie army four. um, that there's nothing really special to say about that. If you like those games, it's, it's a fun game. I played it with a buddy and it was fun and co-op, um, zombie army four. It's called zombie army four dead war. So the, is it on game pass? The others are, is that right? Is that the series I'm thinking of? I don't, I'm not sure. It's like one um, through three are or were or something. It's oh. it's a spin-off of the Sniper Elite games. So it uses that same kind of slowdown. You do have a sniper rifle the whole time. It's it's kind of like a uh a third person little bit of left for dead concept where you're going from point A to point B, safe houses, do some horde mode stuff, do some straightforward just zombie killing. Uh it's solid. It's nothing special. If you like those games, you'll enjoy this game. If you look at i would say look up a trailer or something and if that doesn't look interesting to you uh the game is pretty much all that all right zombie army four if you like zombie armies one through three you're probably already on board yeah pretty much yeah uh anything else uh no that was it that was it mostly outriders i was mostly preparing all the content from outriders because it was a lot yeah, yeah, it looks like a really exciting game. Uh, Christian, can, I know you can you- show more. We can show more after tomorrow. There's like a weird embargo. So you'll be able to see more of the game. By the time you're listening to this, you've seen more. Yes, that's true. So by the time you listen to this, like people will show you all of the classes that they could play, like the full demo. I think the only thing we couldn't show you was the prologue. Prologue and character creation. Prologue and character creation. But you'll see like skill out. breakdowns and, and all kinds of different ways to play. Like there should be by this time, you should be able to see so much content. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what's, what uh, besides Outriders is on yours playlist. Yeah, quickly, a Division 2, I went back, I, I purchased it for $3. And it really was my fun with Outriders that made me want to play that style of game again. Oh, another thing about Outriders, the the outfits look different which the division two and the division one, very fun game, but North face hoodies with stats. Isn't as fun as going from person in Cape to person with like melted face in, in a robe with fire, you know, emitting around or whatever. Um, but so also true. Man. That's really the biggest weak, weak point on division is there. There. It's a Tom Clancy slave, realism hurts the slave, fun video just, game. <laughs> even devotion to that. It's just, it's just so unfortunate. But, yeah. yeah. 
but that game i'm very excited for warlords man i i'm playing on an xbox one and i forgot how beautiful it is even on that console you know what they that team those teams those thousands of individuals it's a good it's a good engine man it's a good engine it's a good game if it's still three dollars where you are it's such an easy recommend (laughs) i don't need to belabor it after that and then this is just a psa as i uh, have been playing nba jam on my uh, mega sg um which is my analog genesis um i was like wait there used to be an nba jam on ios i really liked it i wonder if it's still there it is and it looks like you know it was ported to 64 bit or whatever it looks beautiful on my 10r so it looks like they patched it to um you know for 10 and series up phones iphones and it is it's five dollars on ios it does not support controller support i believe but it is a good version of nba jam and i think that game works really well as an iphone game so if you were like me and we're kind of getting nostalgic uh for nba jam or maybe as the all-star break was getting that that fever flying for you nba jam on ios uh it's it's a game <laughs> that's a very good version of it and it's very old but it still works and works really well and it's super fun just to pick up and play that arcade action on your phone awesome very very cool uh, well, I have been playing Dreams. I'm so excited. On, on uh, PS4, uh, the new Media Molecule game that has been a long time coming. I think it, I think they announced it before the PS4 was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it's finally come out, or by the time you've heard this, it has come out uh, on Valentine's Day. Uh, I got an early code for the game and have been noodling around with it. Um, I mean, it is hard to even talk about this in any kind of critical way because, like, it's a platform. You know, what even – it's a remarkable thing that they've put together, this make anything. It's a tool set to make anything. And so for me, the the real – judging point the points by which i judge this experience is how do you onboard me into this experience how do you make me want to create things what is the product and how do you disperse the infinite amount of content that it represents because if you're not familiar with dreams media molecule of course the company that did little big planet which was a you know what is it play create game or build oh yeah that was like a franchise modern nation racers and uh yeah Little big planet what was it it was like build play create or something like that. anyway um so the idea being that it's it is a game but it is also a tool set to create new parts of a game uh now dreams is it takes that idea even farther and says you can build any kind of game you want to build a top-down shooter go for it you want to build a first person adventure game go for it you want to build a uh, platformer that turns into a first person shooter, make that. And it is kind of staggering that that amount of freedom is possible and the tools are there. And when you turn on dreams for the first time, uh, I think they do a pretty impressive job of welcoming you into that experience because it, you know, it, they introduce you to this concept of you, basically the the interface. And the interface of Media Molecule games in general, and this one in particular, is unlike anything else. I, I mean, God bless them. They, 
they're committed. They're probably the last company, the last developer that really is committed to the uh, motion controller on the DualShock. You know, like nobody else really cares about that anymore. Uh, and yet Media Molecule, it's a centerpiece of their design philosophy. You know, we you are using the motion controller of that DualShock to control your cursor. Hmm. And, and, you know, for good or ill, that is the way I, I, there's probably another choice to be made. In fact, it does support the wands, the move controllers as, uh, as a complete input device. Should you decide to do that? I haven't had a chance to try that yet. Haven't had a chance to try the game in VR, which I think it supports VR completely. Should you choose to do that? I haven't had a chance to do any of that stuff yet, but, um, but I mean, the d- default method of controlling your cursor, which are these imps, these little furry, adorable little furry creatures, the beginning of the experience, you have to select your imp and there's a bunch of them you can select between. And I mean, part of the whole theme of dreams is this personal expression, creativity, you know, you having things that are yours and making everything your own. Um, You have your own personal space that you earn in the first hour or so of gaming in dreams. And then you can create, build, customize that space. And then people can come visit that space and check it out. So anyway, you have these little imps that, that are basically a cursor and you move them around by rotating the move controller, by actually pivoting the controller in your hands. And you don't have to do it. It's very subtle movements to, to, to move it. So it almost works like a mouse. Um, and it, you know, to take a step back for a second, it's kind of remarkable just the amount of things that you need to do in this platform on in this tool set that they figured out how to do on a controller. I mean, this is really it's almost like they built, you know, Final Cut Pro or <laughs> uh, uh, Photoshop or something, but they did it without a mouse and keyboard. Right. It's they did wild. it. With, it is wild. It is wild. And it's, I mean, kudos to them for even pulling it off at all because it's a daunting thing. So, so what happens is you pick your little imp character and then you do a, a few things to, to teach you how to, you know, manipulate that character. And they have this lovely um, narrated experience that brings you into the game where you learn how to, you, you take your imp and it can like inhabit various avatars uh, in various scenes that are created in dreams. And you do a thing at the very beginning of the game that brings you into the world that has the little logo in the bottom right saying created in dreams. So like even the, th- everything you experience in the game was created with their tool set. Uh, and it, you know, it's very simple stuff. You're jumping on things. Hold, hold on. That's the real right? chicken and egg thing, right? Like did they make this game in their game? And if so, how did they make the game? <laughs> <laughs> well, they made this tool set. They made, the, right. the, they made the tools and then they built all the content that you play with the tools. But I like them being like, to make the tools, we need to make the game. The game is yeah, what right. made the tools. <laughs> right. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. And and I should also say, before I get too far, it's gorgeous. Everything is gorgeous about this game. I It's remarkable just how beautiful everything is, regardless of the theme or the, uh, the, the, the kind of game. I mean, it's, it's an amazing, just with visual, everything is glowing and pretty and beautiful and, and, and ethereal and magical. Uh, and it has this wonderful aesthetic of 
dreams, you know, of, of imagination and every, everything is spectacular looking. So that helps too. Um, but you know, you're brought through the looking glass and you're brought in and you're, you know, it's teaching you the, the, the most basic ways of interacting with your imp. And then when you get past that very brief intro sequence, it's gorgeous and, and charming. Um, you get to a menu that says, do you want to play or do you want to create? Do you want to build stuff or play stuff? And I immediately went to play stuff. And you have a very lengthy multi-part campaign mode, for lack of a better term, that was created by Media Molecule uh, that is extraordinary, made entirely in dreams, they say, and I don't have any reason to doubt it. Uh, that is this, um, you play as this musician who's kind of recounting his life. And the thing that's extraordinary about that experience is that it really, I think, was made as a showcase of the the variety that's possible with this tool set because it starts as this first-person thing and then it transitions to this kind of adorable um, uh, platformer and then it transitions to... It, it, it like keeps changing the kind of game it is, I think, just to show off all that's possible. And it's kind of remarkable having one experience that is all those different things that seamlessly transitions between them. And I mean, it's, it's quite something, uh, but none of them are like amazing. None of them are superb. You know, I kept thinking like, this is incredible that it was made all with the same tool set. And it's incredible. Like that you all could sp- make that. Yeah. Like, like in a way that you could make it time. not like you need to learn yeah. C plus plus or you yeah, know. Yeah. Given enough time with this piece of software, I could recreate this and all of the pieces of this are in the game for me to do other things with. Should I choose right? Like all of the little marionettes, all the, all the set pieces, all the visual stuff that they created for this, they're also unlockable in the game and you can use them to make your own ideas or, or cobble together completely fresh new things. So, the fact that that is all possible and it is so beautiful and it is all things at all times is extraordinary. But also I kind of felt this about little big planet where like I'm, I'm doing the platforming section of this first dream. And I'm like, if this was a game that I paid $40 for $60 for, I think it was kind of not that great a platformer, but the fact that it was built in this thing, I'm like, wow, but shouldn't it also stand shoulder to shoulder to things that aren't built in this tool set? Like, how do we judge it? Is it, do I give it, am I grading on a curve because of how extraordinary the method by which it was created is? Or do I have to say, is it as good as the best things in the genre that it is created in? You know, Mm. I don't know the answer really. Because the experience is a positive one, an extraordinary one, but also it's not the tip-top best version of each of the things that it is. This analogy isn't quite right, but listening in real time, my thoughts as they're happening, this is where I went. So if in reflection this is totally wrong, I agree with you, listener. I really messed up. Um, Grand Theft Auto, not the best driving game. Right. Not the best shooting. Grand Theft Auto 4, it got a little bit on 5, but not much. 
not a great flying game. Right. Not a great anything game. Yeah, each piece but is a fantastic game. Yeah, but it's greater than the sum of its parts, right? It's it's not each piece isn't you know, like the driving game isn't going to be better than a than Forza. The the third person shooter isn't going to be better than you know whatever the best third person yeah, shooter is. Years or Uncharted, whatever, yeah. you, whatever you want to pick. Yeah. I think the value of Dreams is similar to Grand Theft Auto in that a lot of the impressive things that have kept Grand Grand Theft Auto on our minds are videos of people doing things with the grand theft auto sandbox that you didn't think were possible and dreams even before the game has come out has had so many things shared like look somebody made bio or not bioshock dead space in dreams somebody made this in dreams and i think that will keep it on people's minds but maybe not necessarily have people running out to play dreams more so just sharing the possibilities that are capable in dreams and there are two other big parts of my experience with it that, that I was judging it by. And the, the next part is still in the play side, which is, okay, I, I played a whole bunch of the media molecule sort of like, you know, example, uh, you know, like prime exemplar of what you can do their you know, their campaign thing. But then I was like, well, what else is there? And there's so much, I mean, it is overwhelming. And so for me, the, the um, measuring stick by which I, you know, I, I look at all that is how clearly and cogently is that presented to me? Is it is it presented in a way that seems overwhelming? And I think they actually do a very good job in laying out sort of the best of the best. And again, I've played this entirely before it has been released to the public, so it may be it may be immediately pummeled with a whole bunch of kind of mediocre to bad things that people just throw onto the system. So who knows how it'll handle that. But pre-release, they do such a good job of, of surfacing very good things, uh, a bunch of other media molecule creations that they did internally, but also, you know, evidently in this whole beta period, they've been doing like weekly challenges and you can go through and see like a weekly challenge was food. And you see all the crazy, like, photorealistic food scenes that people have created or sci-fi was another one. It was like, oh, sci-fi games and sci-fi scenes and sci-fi videos. I mean, Dreams isn't just a platform for creating games. It's a platform for creating like wallpaper art, just still images that you can kind of zoom around should you choose because they're built in 3D in the engine. Uh, But a lot of the stuff on there is just like a static image of a hot dog on a plate, but it's like a photorealistic hot dog and you see the relish and it looks moist and you see the, the mustard and it's incredible. Uh, or, you know, like a music video that somebody makes a fully 3d animated music video. And there's a bunch of that. So, I mean, it's everything, but I think they do a, a pretty stellar job of presenting the menu of that and making it all not feel overwhelming even though i was very overwhelmed i was like there's so much here already and the game hasn't even come out yet so much you could just get lost looking at all the wacky creations that people have made or kind of impressive creations that people have made um so part of me is just like this my personality and the way i approach games i find this very overwhelming because i'm sort of like i don't even know 
I don't know where to start. I don't know what, I don't even know. You can fall down a rabbit hole in any number of ways of, of just following stuff that looks interesting. And I guess that's worthwhile. But to me, that just feels like, I don't know which direction to go. And then I also did a bit of the build side, uh, even though I really don't think I'll spend much time with that at all because it's just not my wheelhouse. I wanted to see how they onboard you. And they do it like a quest system where you get quests from this creature, this other imp creature, and you ha- and it teaches you through um, a number of I- interactions the basics of creating things that you're creating in your play space, your personal you know habitat that you can customize. Uh, and you do things and you jump in and out of the creating and then inhabiting a character that moves around. And then you, you know, you move things and change size and rotate stuff and then jump back in the thing and it interacts with that stuff. So all of that is clear and I think effective in bringing you in, but man, it really is like learning Photoshop or uh, Final Cut Pro. I mean, it is as complex as that. They do a good job of simplifying things down to a controller. And I even in in the space of an hour of me fiddling around, I got much better by the end of the hour than I was at the beginning of like knowing, I mean, you, you're, you're basically using hotkeys and shortcuts. I mean, it, th- on a controller. So you'll be like, hold L1 and press X and you'll do a thing and hold R1 and press Oh, you know, the circle and you'll do the, it's, it is very complex, but you kind of grok it pretty quickly. And, or at least I did. And it's intimidating, very intimidating, but I think they did a pretty admirable job of simplifying that all down to a controller and making it all usable. I just also felt like, man, there just needs to be a PC version of this because I just think it would be easier. Like you did so much effort making this work on a controller, but kind of like, why, you know, I I don't know. It's an amazing thing, dreams. It's an amazing thing. And I'll be playing a lot more with it. Uh, I really didn't have tons of time because we're recording early, but, um, it's impressive. It it is, there's no doubt it is extraordinary. And the things you can make are jaw dropping. But I, I also like, I, I, I don't even know how to judge it because so much of it is, it's just like, wow, that's amazing that that was made in this, you know? Yeah, I'm very excited. My copy is in the Gamefly mail. So hopefully by next week, I'll have some time with it and, and I'll be able to see what those public creations are and, and how you interact with them. Because I feel like sometimes like Mario Maker 2, some, like the Nintendo made levels are incredible, but it almost feels like instead of showing me what the best of the best is, it's almost meant just to spark my creativity or builders creativity it's like hey here's this thing we did we know you can do better we're not saying that this is the gold standard now you so like dreams it's like you can do a first person shooter go you know like go eat I mean, and that's exciting explicit about that you start up that thing and it literally has white text on a black screen that says hey we hope here's here's some levels from us we hope this inspires you that's i mean they cool. literally say it explicitly yeah, yeah. It, it really does feel like everything is pointing to build stuff. I wonder if I can make uh, a tearaway sequel. Cause that's my favorite game of theirs. I love that game. No doubt you could. I have no doubt someone. I mean, will. I can't, but <laughs> all right. Uh, I want to thank uh, our sponsor ritual uh, talking about stuff for women. Uh, ritual is uh, 
vitamins, nutrients for women. Uh, and, you know, we all want to do the right thing and keep our bodies healthy. Uh, that's good. Uh, we try hard. You can, you know, eat great things and, and eat nutrients. That's wonderful. But even if you're having a great diet, you're still most likely not getting all of the essential nutrients you need on a daily basis. And Ritual is an obsessively researched vitamin for women. What does that mean? Well, uh, creator of Ritual looked around and saw that the thing, when, when she looked at the food that she was eating, she realized that she was, you know, label conscious and kind of looking at ingredients and things and being very aware of what was going in her body. But she and a lot of other people weren't doing that with the vitamins that they took. And so she set about making something, making a vitamin, a multivitamin that was that had the same awareness and uh, attention to good things in it that she would expect from her food. So my wife is now taking Ritual. She is, is loves it. I think your wife is taking it too, right, Christian? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, and it's great because you get the multivitamin that you would want but it's reimagined. So it, it, you got D3 to omega-3. It's a, all the stuff that you need that fills in the gaps in a woman's diet. They have a no-nausea capsule design that's uh, gentle on an empty stomach, so you don't have to take it with food. That's pretty awesome. My favorite thing, my wife goes, be sure to mention this when you talk about ritual. She's like, it doesn't taste fishy or, or yucky. She's like, uh, usually when I used to take a multivitamin, it tasted fishy and yucky. And this one has like a little mint tab in every bottle that keeps things fresh. You don't get the fishy aftertaste like you get with most omega-3s. She loves that about it. Uh, and I'm so happy to hear that because uh, that's one of uh, the things the ritual is is most proud of as well. Um, they are all vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free ingredients. And all of their sources are out there for the whole world to see. They want you, they want to be as, as transparent as possible. And then uh, Ritual is delivered. It's a subscription that's easy to start. Uh, and uh, sometimes, you know, if you start a multivitamin, you can kind of forget about it. Not with the subscription. It's great. It's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nu nutrients that your body needs delivered every month. No strings attached. So better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering listeners to DLC 10% off during their first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash DLC to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash DLC. R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash DLC. I think I'm the only one that played a little uh, VR this week, but I wanted to tell you about a game that I have been playing that I really like. I really like. Uh, it is a new game, or at least new to me. I think it came out a little while ago. Uh, but it's for Oculus Quest, and it's called Path of the Warrior. Uh, Christian, have you heard of this game? I have. I, I it, it's been out for a, yeah a little bit, and it looks like a VR um, Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage. Yes, it's like first person VR Streets of Rage. That is exactly the thing they're going for. In fact, they even call it Rage City, where this is where this takes place. And what a great idea! I mean, Streets of Rage, the old brawler arcade cabinet uh, that I grew up with. 
where you know you you run up to uh the quick quick the- quick sorry just people are yelling streets of rage genesis game final fight oh, brawler yeah. arcade cabinet but basically the same same game, game. yes yes, yes. <laughs> you're right i i conflated i appreciate you correcting me um but anyway uh final fight is really the game i played mo- <laughs> more than streets of rage but uh either way you know you run up to the bad guy punch him in the face kick him uh, maybe they drop a crowbar. You pick that crowbar up, smack them with that, throw them around, you, you body slam, all that stuff, right? Move to the next screen. More bad guys come at you. That's what this game is, but it's in VR and you're doing all that stuff. So you walk up to the bad guy. They, you know, they drop from the ceiling, from like a hole in the ceiling. They drop down or they uh, come out of a door or, uh, you know, uh, come through down the, down the alleyway or whatever it is. And uh, you can walk up to them using the, the, the thumbsticks. And then you start swinging away. You can punch with your hands. You can do uppercuts. Uh, you generate super moves. And then once those are generated by, by you know, connecting with enough hits, you press your two fists together and then you activate your super moves. And you can select by swiping your watch uh, different styles of super move. Uh, and then those are mo- basically one hit kills for a short period of time. You also have kicks. How do you do kicks? Uh, there's no motion sensor on your feet. Well, you push uh, buttons for kicks and there are like legs that come up into your view and just smack them in the face. <laughs> it's pretty great. If you do both kicks, you have, you know, your left uh, motion controller, touch controller button does your left foot, your right motion controller button does your right foot. You push them at the same time. You leap on, up in the air and do a roundhouse with both of them, which is pretty cool for like when you're surrounded. Um The best thing about this game, I think, is the art style, which mimics that kind of cartoony brawler aesthetic. Uh, You're you're punched. I mean, it's very um, it's almost like Mike Tyson's punch out. Basically, you punch a dude in the face and his like whole jaw, you know, shifts to the side. and He's got this cartoony like, you know, and uh, you punch him enough times and they get dazed and there's little literally birds and, you know, stars and swirlies rotating around their head and then you can run up and grab them physically reach out and grab them with your hand and toss them into things and so and then there are things in the environment that do like special uh you know you can key things by throwing bad guys into the special things so for example early on in the game i walk into a bar and you know, there's bad guys all in there. There's like a pool table. I can pick up a pool stick and swing it and smack them. A guy will run at me with a knife and I can punch him and then the knife will fly into the air and I can grab it out of the air and stab him. Very, you know, super hot style. Uh, but with cartoony graphics, I'm pummeling dudes. I reach up, I grab one guy, throw him at the door behind the bar, knocks that, he flies across the bar knocks into that door. It knocks that door open into the back kitchen. I now walk into the back kitchen. There's guys coming down to the ceiling, walking out of the freezer of the kitchen, shivering, coming at me. I grab one of punch, 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 grab one of them, toss him into the fryer. He catches fire on the fryer and is screaming. And it's got like cartoony, like sizzle, sizzle, like written out like a comic book. This is the game we're playing. I can reach out. I can grab the, the French fry, fryer thing and pull it out and smack dudes in the face and then there are people trapped in things that have bombs uh so you're trying to save these people that are trapped in things and you know they're trapped inside the 
so there's like a lady trapped inside the the pool table itself. So I have to walk up and punch the center of the pool table and it opens up and she's in there and she comes out, but she's got, uh, you know, TNT sticks of dynamite that she's holding. So I literally punch those to put them out. And then she drops, you know, a, a hot dog, which I reach out and grab and <laughs> bring to my face to heal myself. It's wacky, but it is good fun. And I found myself playing it way more than I thought I was going to just because it's like, yeah, I want to see the next weird scene. And it's it's just goofy fun and a mix of punch out or like that Creed boxing game that's that's on um, Quest, but done in inside a really fun environment. And I'm moving through and I'm getting you know, this goofy story and the improvised weapons of the environment are super fun. It's it's great. I really dig it. It's called Path of the Warrior. I like it very much. So that's what I've been playing in virtual reality. Uh, we have uh, some uh, parting gifts coming up. We're going to wrap the show up now. I, I do have one last sponsor to tell you about. I know we had a lot this episode, but uh, hang in there because uh, this one is very good as well. A longtime sponsor and one I love. I just last night, we were about to go on vacation. And last night we washed our sheets, our Brooklyn and sheets, put fresh Brooklyn and sheets on the bed, freshly washed, freshly laundered, tight. Ooh, I love that freshly laundered Brooklyn and sheet. Pulled tight down on my mattress. And I slipped into it last night after I got home from the dungeon run. And oh my, there's nothing like it. I'm telling you, my Brooklyn and sheets are so much better than the old sheets I used to be in. I can't even express how much better. It just is an exquisite feeling. It's luxury. It feels like luxury sheets. Um, and you spend a third of your life in your sheets. A third of your life. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? That's how I feel about my my sheets. My Brooklyn and sheets are insanely comfortable. I just love it. I love it. And I love sleep so much. Uh, it's, it's time. I think it's time for you to upgrade your sheets. Luxury sheets, robes, loungewear, towels. Without those mar- luxury markups, you get them at a price because it's direct to you without that luxury markup. Um, most, most luxury uh, sheets and stuff, they're marked up like 200%. It's crazy. Um, but you can get, you know, you can get your Brooklyn sheets like I have. Uh, if you like softness, if you like comfort, essentials to help you relax, Brooklyn has all of that. And I could not recommend it more. I truly love my Brooklyn sheets. Uh, for anybody, for, uh, friends or family, it makes a great gift. But upgrade yourself. Give yourself something nice. Get 10% off and free shipping anytime when you shop at brooklinen.com and use promo code DLC. And Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. A lifetime warranty. So to get 10% off and free shipping, go to brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. And use promo code DLC Brooklinen. Everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, we got our parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Anthony Taramino, thank you so much for being here, sir. I always appreciate you jumping in and giving your wisdom and your firsthand experience with games. Thank you, buddy. Yes, thank you for having me. I uh, I am always available, morning, noon, or night. Except please, no morning. 
or, n- or, <laughs> or noon, yeah. mostly night. I'm, I'm yeah. on, I'm available any time of the night. <laughs> well, it is. We are grateful for that. Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all of your stuff online. So gamerant.com. I am editor in chief there. So, uh, I help curate a lot of the content. I write some stuff here and there, mostly about the games that I typically talk about here, like destiny or division. Um, I will be putting up a ton of Outriders stuff. I put up a hands-on preview and video of me playing Trickster there. And then over the weekend, I'll put up more videos and more content. I got a few tidbits from the developers um, that uh, are still under embargo until uh, tomorrow for us, but they'll be up already for you. So you could just go to GameRant.com, search Outriders, and you can read all that content. Uh, and then if you just want to follow me in general and all the things I do, you can follow me on Twitter at A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. Awesome. Christian Spicer, what about you? Yeah, Twitter's the best way to see like in LA shows. I'm not going on the road anytime soon that I know about stand-up wise, but uh, if you're in LA, shows pop up frequently. That is at Spicer. And then if you want to see my uh, gameplay and, and kind of immediate impressions soon after the event about writers, you can head to my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. I also typically stream this show live there Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time uh, this week, obviously an exception, but usually that's where that takes place. Uh, I think that's about it. Awesome. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. We also love getting your emails at uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com to this show. If you have any comments or questions or really anything, we love hearing your feedback. Any games that you've been playing that you don't think we've talked about enough, uh, feel free to write up your own review. We'd love to hear it. dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Also have uh, some other podcasts for you to check out if you're so inclined. If you want to hear me talk about movies and tv shows i do the slash film cast where we do just that you can find that at slash filmcast.com or by searching anywhere you get podcasts for slash filmcast. Uh, and then i also do the dungeon run which is my version of epic storytelling man this week this week's episode i think was one of the best we've ever done it was amazing uh the team went to war there was a war between dwarves and orcs And if I do say so myself, I think it was one of the most intense, amazing moments yet in our show. Uh, So check out, watch watch our players play Dungeons & Dragons in a way that looks like television. I mean, we have an animatronic puppet. It's amazing. Check out The Dungeon Run. Uh, You can listen to it as a podcast by searching for The Dungeon Run anywhere you get podcasts. You can watch it on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run there. Or you can watch us live as we record every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash the dungeon run. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion of what to do this week. Give us a parting gift. This is parting gift. Anthony Tower Mania, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Uh, I do. Well, ha- did you guys talk about lock and key? Has anybody talked about lock and key? No, not yet. Okay. Um, Lock and Key is a graphic novel novel by uh, Joe Hill, who is uh, Stephen King's son. It's one of my favorite graphic novels. It's a great story about three kids 
Um, I don't really want to give too much away, but it, basically the idea is supernatural keys that do really cool things. Uh, and then they turned it into a Netflix show. And it, it I think, premiered two weeks ago or a week ago when you're listening to this. Um, and it's it's one of those graphic novels, kind of like Why the Last Man, where people have been saying, you know, I hope they make this into something, a movie, a TV show. They finally did it. Um, and it is it is surprisingly well done. Um, I, I enjoy it a lot and I highly recommend people both watch the show and read the graphic novel. Yeah. One of my favorite comics. I bought it multiple times. I have the hardcover editions, which are just beautiful. Uh, very, very great comic lock and key, an excellent parting gift. Christian Spicer. What about you? It's a Girl Scout cookie season. It's been Girl Scout cookie season for maybe a couple of weeks now, and it will be for a few more weeks. But if you don't have a, a Girl Scout in your life or, you know, haven't had them knocking on your door yet. Be keep Christian your is accepting orders. I'm not. I am not. Uh, we do. I do have a Girl Scout in my life, but uh, you know, keep your eye out at your local grocery store, and you know, go get your favorite freeze your thin mints or whatever. They're delicious. It's easy to like, you know, trivialize Girl Scout cookies, but my goodness, what's your favorite, dude? Samoas, hands down. Samoas for life. Hands Samoas down. You mean life. caramel delights? Depending on your geolocation. Yes, uh, but where they're so good. They're all they're very very good. Uh, and so it's Girl Scout cookie season. If you didn't know that and you get excited about it when you see them, keep your eye open. I bet you will see some Girl Scouts in front of your local grocery store or something like that, and you can pick up a box and uh, you know support a good cause in the process and help these women, you know, learn the values and lessons that they are out learning on uh, as they sell those cookies. Yeah. Good stuff. We got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This one comes from Joey Dyer, who says, uh, hello, my parting gift is a little bit of light reading that I think listeners of the podcast would greatly enjoy. It's a book of short stories written by Raphael Bob Waxberg, the creator of Netflix's BoJack Horseman and Amazon's Undone. It's called Someone Who Will Love You in All Your Damaged Glory. Much like his work on BoJack Horseman, Waxberg's writing in these short stories is equal parts dark, hilarious, and beautiful. I purchased the physical book, but it's also available as an audio book, which I've heard is quite good. And the individual stories are self-contained and inventive, often offering some new revelation on our lives, inner thoughts, and relationships, all in 30 pages or less. If you're someone like me, who is sad to see BoJack Horseman ending, I can't recommend it enough. But even if you've never seen an episode, you can still glean wisdom and beauty from it while laughing through every page. Keep up the good work, and thank you for all the time and effort you put into the show. Well, thank you, Joey. I love, love, love BoJack Horseman. I think it is a work of genius. So uh, maybe I'll check out someone who will love you in all your damaged glory. That sounds like a great, great book that I would dig. Thank you for sending that in. If you want to have your parting gift around the show, send it to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Well, my parting gift uh, is one that you've already heard because Christian recommended it a while back. Uh, but I did not, uh, you know, I did not heed his advice. I I scoffed when Christian suggested watching Cheer on Netflix. But then the recommendations turned into a crescendo and uh, a so Christian sendo. Christian sendo. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I eventually watched it. And it uh, turns out everybody who re- recommended it, including Christian, was right. It is um, wonderful. Uh, very, very, very worth your time. 
these kids, these kids that, that Jerry, man, I just want the best for Jerry. I just want the best for Jerry. You know what I'm saying, Christian? It's, it's a very good show. Um, and yes. And the thing that strikes me as I look back on it is there's like a whole squad of, you know, cheerleaders and the show, like all shows, it, it finds its, its core people that it talks about. But I feel like as the show blows up and becomes this huge thing, I feel like I could find myself being like, wait a minute, I was great. I was great the whole time. I didn't have any drama in my life. And so no one knows who I am. <laughs> like there's a few people I'm like, who is that? Wait, there, is that a person? Uh, they just don't get the screen time. But it is it is really well done. And at, with all their public appearances since, they still seem like good people out having fun doing what they love and being ripped. Yeah, I was worried that it was going to be a little reality TV and, you know, sort of about like, you know, who's dating who and just manipulative and kind of yucky in the way that reality TV can be. It is not that. It's a it's a documentary uh, that is inspiring and heartfelt and really kind of sheds some light. It's kind of about America. It's great. Watch Cheer. I can't recommend it enough. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Anthony Taramina and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those awesome bumpers. Thank you to you, dear listener, for downloading the show and listening to us. We are grateful, and we will be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.